It's time to rethink everything, to redo the rule book, to explore smarter ways to work and rediscover what's possible. It's time for a fresh take on how technology and creativity are changing the way work gets done. I'm Susan Campbell, and this is The Big Rethink. Today's episode is about how our body language can impact our leadership style and how our body language may need some updates in our evolving digital world. Our guest, Dr. Carol Kinsey Goman, is a body language expert and international keynote speaker. Welcome to the show, Carol. Thank you, Susan. First of all, I love the name The Big Rethink. That's so right on target for today. I just love it. <laughs> awesome. My favorite part is redo the rule book. <laughs> You know, for me, that's the that's the most exciting part. But um, I'm so excited to have this conversation today. International keynote speaker and expert on body language. Um, uh, you're my hero already. I want to hear all about it. So in your history of working with executives and at various industries to help build their leadership presence, can you give our listeners a brief overview of the work you've done around body language and leadership? Absolutely. You know, I started working with leaders about 30 years ago. So I have seen a big transition in what's going on and a lot of rethinking that's been in my experience. But I started working with them on change management. So I was watching executives announce changes that they didn't believe in. Oh, and wow. When that happened, their body sent that message. And no matter what they said verbally, they just didn't look like they believed it. Now, the interesting thing was when I would interview audience members afterwards, no one said, well, it's because he shrugged or she looked away or her voice dropped um, or he looked nervous with his hands. Nobody said that because they didn't necessarily pick up on that consciously, mm. but subconsciously. They left with saying, I don't know about this. Do you think that's really going to happen? Uh, do, do you think it's a good thing for the company? They left with a lot of questions because they didn't buy in to what the leader was saying. Then I looked at some research for, I think it was Stanford, but you have to, I could be wrong. This was a long, long time ago. Okay. Where they said that... If you were on stage and you were wired with an EKG and some other biofeedback equipment, and so was your audience, and you were primed to make some speech or discussion about something that you didn't either didn't know about, so you were faking it totally or you didn't believe in. So when that happened, they noticed what happened in the speaker's body. All of those galvanic skin responses and, and all of those things, your heart rate went up, the breathing was shallow, et cetera, et cetera. They also noticed that there was a very similar response in the audience. So in their bodies, people were picking up the lack of alignment between what was being said and what they were seeing. Fascinating. And I love that this was a change management discussion, too, because that's one of my favorite topics. But I'm sorry to interrupt. You were going to say? No, that's fine. And you're right. Change management is still one of mine. And the interesting thing about change management is that when I spoke on it years ago, maybe 15 years ago, I did a speech at Stanford. I'm in Berkeley, California, so I have a lot of 
clients, particularly coaching clients, uh, particularly when I was doing face-to-face down in Silicon Valley. So I was doing a speech at Stanford, okay, which was recorded and put on YouTube. And I have gotten today request to do that speech, which makes me wonder, have we learned nothing about managing change? (laughs) Well, you know, I'm going to just go out there and say that I did watch that YouTube video, or at least one of them on YouTube in, uh, in preparation for our conversation. And I can see why people still are requesting for you to do that, because it's fantastic. And uh, we'll definitely put a link to that in the show notes, because I think people would really get a lot out of it. Um, one, One question that I'm just so curious about when you say, you know, the the person giving the the spiel about change management with the incorrect or the wrong associated body language, what should the positive body language like? Could you be a little more specific about what the visual body language cues were that showed that his body was not in agreement with with the, with the words? When you agree with what you're saying, a lot of things happen. Your gestures start a little bit before you speak. There there are just a lot of cues like that that I look for because I know what I'm looking for. There is a congruence in the way you stand and you hold your shoulders and that your gestures tend to be much more open. You tend to show your palms more. You don't cross your arms. Now, there's nothing wrong with crossed (laughs) arms, but it is the antithesis of the message we're all in this together. Right, right. Closed (laughs) off body language, the old... uh... The classic crossed arms pose. (laughs) And that's one of the funny parts about body language as well, is there is no good or bad body language. There's nothing wrong with crossed arms. A lot of us do that when we're cold. A lot of us do that if we don't have arms on the chairs we're sitting in. A lot of us do that when we're thinking. It's kind of a way to pull in and rally your thoughts. But when you do that, and it's contrary to the message you're delivering. So that's what you're always looking for in body language. Does does this body language signal align with the verbal message or is it sending the opposite meaning? So there is nothing necessarily that person needed to do except believe what he was saying. Gotcha. Gotcha. So it's not more of a, I have to remember to open my hands or stand this way or that. It's, I have to believe what I'm saying and my gestures will follow suit kind of a perspective. Am I understanding that correctly? That's a big part of it. The other part of it is that you, something that you mentioned, and that is if you have a habit, let's say you cross your arms all the time because that's the way you're comfortable. Mm -hmm. You need to know that that habit may not be sending the message that you intend. You may slump because you've always had bad posture. (laughs) And you haven't been a ballerina or you haven't been in the military where you have learned the habit of bringing your shoulders back and holding your head high. But you need to realize that that habit is one that is not serving you as a leader. Slumping makes you look uninterested. It makes you look like you have low energy. And by the way, one of those wonderful 
things about us as human beings is there is a feedback system between our body and our attitude so that you know if you've had a crummy day, you tend to compress and round your shoulders and cave your chest in and maybe even have your head down. But did you also know that when you put your body in that posture, you tend to have more negative thoughts? Oh, wow. I didn't know that. And when you bring your shoulders back and you hold your head high, and don't you hate it when your mom was right, but when you do that, you actually tell your brain that things are going pretty darn well and you start to feel better. So there's that that wonderful combination of believing what you say so that almost all of the time your (laughs) gestures are congruent with your message, but also being canny enough to realize you may have some habits that are interfering with your body language aligning with your intent. I get it. I can see that. Isn't that funny? We're not, (laughs) we're on a podcast, but I can, you've you've driven, you've um, created such a visual picture. I get it. Um, And I was, you know, so funny. I was going to ask my follow-up question about why is body language important as part of building a leadership presence? I think you touched on it um, there in terms of uh, describing some of the body language, but would you take that a step further? Tell us a little bit more about the importance of it in building a leadership presence. Yeah, I really find that there are five qualities, credibility, confidence, composure, connection, and charisma that go into leadership presence, which was in my book, Stand Out, How to Build Your Leadership Presence. However, There is a huge correlation between confidence and credibility. And and it's not even an accurate correlation, but we all tend to buy into it. In other words, if I look confident, you tend to believe that I know what I'm talking about. Right, right, right. We've all seen that happen in meetings, right? (laughs) And and we all know how that isn't true, you know? (laughs) But we tend to buy into it. And as a leader, your body language that sends confidence, something as simple as your posture or your eye contact or the way you walk into the room or the way you shake hands when we're allowed to shake hands again, you know, all of those things send a message of confidence that helps you also be perceived as credible. The body language impact on our message and how our message is received from others, I think probably leads us into a a next topic to explore about how is building a strong leadership presence impact someone's career growth or career opportunities? Well, unfortunately, leadership presence is an element that is not dependent on your title It's not dependent on your expertise. It's not always a reflection of your leadership ability or your leadership potential. Leadership presence is all in the eye of the beholder. It's what one client said, it's what people say about me after I leave the room. It's how other people perceive you. It's the influence that you have over that perception. Mm -hmm. So leadership presence is tricky in that when I coach someone, it's almost always someone who's looking to go to another level. And I will get, if, if I'm hired, for instance, let's say by the head of HR 
or corporate communications or, or whomever is promoting this person in the department, they will say things like, it isn't that he couldn't do the job. It's that no one else sees him that way. Fascinating. One of the most damaging comments that I ever heard, and this is more for women than men, was from the head of HR who said, I proposed this woman for a promotion and no one in the room knew who she was. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, she was invisible because women tend to promote ourselves less than our male counterparts. And that can be a real career inhibitor because we're not visible. If you're invisible in your company and someone has just said she'd be great in this job and the rest of the group goes, I have no idea who you're talking about, you have a problem. For sure. For sure. And we're, we've got International Women's Day coming up and Women's History Month coming up. And um, you, you speak about the unique challenges that some of female leaders face. What advice would you give to female leaders to help them overcome some of those challenges for the, the, the case like you just shared? They didn't know who she was. Well, for one thing, you have challenges as a female, both externally and internally. And some, and I am totally on board with changing corporate cultures and having more inclusion. I, I talk about collaboration as well as change management. So I have a broad background in the importance of that and how much value that brings to an organization. The problem is if we spend all of our time waiting for them to change, uh, we may have a long wait. <laughs> Right. So part of the internal challenges we face are things like the imposter syndrome, which, of course, everybody can fall victim to. But with women, it tends to impact our careers more. For example, at Hewlett Packard, they did a study and they found that if they put a job opening that had 10 qualifications, a guy that had six would say, oh, good, I'm going for it. And women would wait until they were perfect, until right. they had all 10. Now, that is definitely something we can work on, because if we don't even ask for a job or ask for a promotion or ask to be put on that team, our chances of getting that job promotion or joining the team are very low. Right, right. You're not going to get anywhere if you don't even put your hat in the ring. Yep. And another thing that women do, and I think it isn't just women, but I have a lot of women clients that I work with that are facing these kind of dilemmas, is that we really focus on what we don't have. You know, we, we, we that internal voice, I don't care what kind of criticism we get from other people, nobody is as mean to us as we are to ourselves. <laughs> You're so right. That's so true. You know, one, one of my clients said, if I talk to my friends the way I talk to myself, I, would I have wouldn't no have friends. any friends. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so we can be kinder. We can turn that inner critic into an inner coach and, and really think about when we are tempted to say, oh, God, I blew that one again. Something more along the lines of, I learned a lot from that experience. Next time I'm going to be much better. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. We uh, we have to just keep reminding ourselves of the little successes and things that go right because there's plenty of things to learn from. So 
uh, for sure, and be a little kinder to ourselves. Everybody's be big on being kind to one another. <laughs> we yeah. have to include ourselves in that. Wow. Absolutely. And I like the fact that you said we need to keep focusing on those. I, I tell people to even write them down. Even if they're small, what are your small wins for the day or the week or whatever? Read them over. And you know what's really powerful is to have that list and read it over right before you go in for that job interview or that. Yeah, something big. Yeah. Yeah. Presentation or whatnot. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You prime your brain to remember how good you are. Yeah. Well, I canceled my my staff meeting. I usually have my staff meeting on a Friday afternoon. And one of the things we've be put into practice is really the one thing we each do roundtable about is what went well this week. And so we leave the week on a Friday afternoon with everyone stating a success for the week. And I am a voracious note taker, so I have the whole ongoing list <laughs> for, for the team. So maybe I should share that with everybody so they can... Um, remind themselves of the things that are going well. That's a good idea to review it before something big comes up. Absolutely. I love that. That's it. That's really lovely. So let me ask you this, you know, we're, uh, we're all rethinking the rule book, right. And, uh, rethinking the way work gets done. And, and that has got to have impacted the way you work with executives now in our increased hybrid and digital work environments. So, um, what talk about how, you know, executives should be rethinking how they use body language to their advantage today in this hybrid environment or digital, you know, in the Zoom world or a Teams world. I'll tell you, it is crazy. It's There's some really positive things that have come from this, and there are a lot of negatives. And being someone who loves and studies and is fascinated by body language, I mourn the fact that I have so much work virtually rather than face-to-face these days because it's only in face-to-face that you really read the entire body. You know, we are stuck on Zoom or whatever platform with a talking head. And if we're smart, we've actually lowered that so that our our chest is also in the frame because <laughs> then not just because we might have a nice chest but <laughs> mainly because then people can see our hands oh okay and you know one of the things that really first of all that helps us think is to talk with our hands that's why we use our hands even if we're talking on the telephone but it helps people understand if I say I have two things to tell you and I've raised two fingers in this medium where we are dying for social cues and body mm-hmm. language cues we've had for thousands and thousands of years, just that little signal makes me so much more understandable. So first of all, if you if you drop your camera a little so people can see your gestures and you keep those gestures within the frame of the camera, on stage or at a meeting, wide gestures can say can be expansive and can be very confident looking. You know, right. I'm taking up room. I'm owning this. You do that on a Zoom call and your hands fly out of frame and it's just either annoying or confusing. So right. you do need to gesture differently, but gestures are very important. I think one of the funniest things that I heard from a woman, she said, my boss hates Zoom meetings. 
And I, you know, there are a lot of us that aren't that thrilled with them. (laughs) Wondered why in this particular case. And she goes, you know, he's a very tall, imposing man. Now, confidence and power and status Ah. are shown through height and space. That's why those wide gestures are confident and powerful. She said, when he's on Zoom, he's the same size as the rest of us. (laughs) Yeah. I can relate to that. I met a colleague for the first time recently in person. I only knew them from, you know, online. And my first comment was, wow, you're really taller than I expected. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. So people feel that on in their uh, digital persona, huh? Well, if you're used to using that, and if you're used to having people respond to that, and all of a sudden it's gone. Now I'm five foot three, so I don't have that problem. I never had a height, you know, intimidation <laughs> issue, but it, it would be offsetting. I'm very, I'm, I can imagine how upset he must be with that fact. He has to sit closer to his camera, fill the frame a little bit more, maybe. Yeah, or or maybe stand so that the camera, you know, gets a bigger picture of him. Any other, you know, body language or or, or tips from a, 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 a Zoom? And I hate to keep just using Zoom, but right. it's become the handle, right? So yeah, for yeah. video conferencing, um, any other tips about uh, body language that we can use? Or even, you know, to that matter... Uh, turning your camera on or not. I tease folks a lot when uh, we're on and they don't turn their cameras on. I'm like, oh, camera shy today. But what, you know, what does that say body language wise, right? Okay. Well, you're right that sometimes in a meeting, people will actually say this meeting is going to be camera off because we're all over zoomed or teamed or, or whatever else. If you want to project leadership presence, you need to be seen. You need to be visual. So it depends on what you want. If you want to fade into the background, that's fine. But that's, you know, that's a choice. If you are looking to to stand out, to, to make an impression, you've got to be seen. So that's number one. Now, here's the most interesting thing when people go from face to face to virtual. And that's what we're all going to be doing in some form or another, is that remembering there are a different set of cues for each one. For example, face-to-face meeting, you have seven seconds to make a first impression. In that seven seconds, people are looking at all sorts of things that mean nothing, but they're making incredible decisions about your confidence, your competence, your warmth, your friendliness, your empathy, etc. They're looking at the way you dress, how you've done your hair or makeup, how you walk, how you stand, the facial expression you come in with, the posture that you're holding, and your initial gestures. And from those absolutely inconsequential cues, they're making huge decisions about you. Now, seven seconds doesn't sound like much, but believe me, it is an eternity compared to what it takes on Zoom or Teams, etc. Because virtually you have less than a second. Oh, wow. What people are looking at, most of all, is that initial expression. 
So let's pretend you've just been doing some paperwork and you've been thinking about that. So you have a little bit of a wrinkled brow. It, you go on camera and then you smile. It's too late. They've seen the wrinkled brow and consciously or unconsciously, they're going, uh-oh, something's going on. I right. wonder, wonder what just happened. So you need to enter the meeting with the expression that you want to convey, which is almost always a smile, unless you have bad news, because then a smile would be so incongruent and inconsiderate with the right. message you're going to deliver. Yeah, we sort of need like the on-air countdown clock for uh, for yeah. Zoom. <laughs> you know, that's true. I was I was watching, I think it was even when they were doing the Democratic convention and they were doing it virtually and everybody was pretty wise to that except one woman I don't even remember who it was but I remember what happened the camera hit her before she was quite ready and you saw that initial expression and it pretty much wiped out this gleeful message that she was about to deliver and I thought, wow, that's fascinating. You really do have to come on camera ready. I think that's a really strong finish to this discussion. I, I uh, for sure, I'm going to take that away, my countdown clock going forward. And um, boy, I have really enjoyed this conversation, Carol, today. Thank you so much for joining us. Susan, it's a conversation with you. And that's what's so lovely. It's, it's just an easy, you make it so, so easy. And I'm very grateful. Oh, that makes two of us. Well, I learned so much and uh, appreciate your time. And before we sign off, if you've enjoyed this podcast, you can help us grow by visiting our feed on iTunes to rate us, review and subscribe. Or if you're listening on Spotify, be sure to hit follow. That's it for us. I'm Susan Campbell. And that was another episode of The Big Rethink. Rethink.